everyone. Welcome to the 179th episode of the Cinema Effect podcast. Uh, my name is Jaden, and this week I am joined by... Uh, he's decided not to stay in 1958 or where the fuck it was that was getting stuck in. Uh, Dr. Luke. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Um, and I'm also joined by um, Tony uh, Lau. What, Lung? Lung? Tony Lung? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Cancelled in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Got to be a record. By CCP. <laughs> okay. Wait, hold on. Who's Lau then? Wait, where, where does Lau? Andy Lau. Andy, Andy Lau? Which one? Yeah, Andy Lau. Which one's that's that like guy? That's the guy. That's, um, that's one who played Matt Damon's uh, counterpart. And then well, Tony Long was in that movie too, right? He is. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. You see, I was going yeah. to get it all mixed up. Um, anyway, this is the Cinefect podcast where we review a different movie every single week. Uh, this week we're reviewing a massive movie. Um, and, and, and because it is a massive movie, it's a tragedy that my usual co-hosts aren't here. Um, but that film is Killers of the Flower Moon. It is a brand new 2023 film. Um, it's done its center rounds. I think it's going to be dropping on streaming soon. Um, it's directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Eric Roth and Martin himself. Uh, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. And the synopsis reads, When oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Right. We all went to the uh, to the big screen for this, you know, the intended way to see it by, by Martin himself. Uh, he came out afterwards, gave a little speech. Um, mm-hmm. no. Oh no, I wasn't there. Sorry. Oh, no, there. I um, I watched this on ten second TikTok reels. I watched the entire movie through that. How many yeah. parts was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, three hundred. I don't know. Don't make me do the maths on the spot. Mm. I think there's a lot of reviews saying that as well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who wants to go first? Spooky. What did you think of a? Uh, what did you think of Killers of the Flower Moon? Well, as as we sort of decided before we went into the movie, I've I've had very little experience with Martin Scorsese. I've heard of him, obviously, and I've seen him, but I, I think we nailed that the only film I've actually seen of him was Shutter Island. Mm. I think that's that's mm. the conclusion we came to, and so I mean I've seen Leo in that. Granted, it was a younger Leo, and it had my boy Mark Ruffalo in it. So I had very little, my expectations going into this movie were very different to everyone else's. But I, um, I have to say, I'm very underwhelmed. Like, there, this, this movie was not a, um, this movie was not a fantastic movie. And I get the feeling, for me, it wasn't supposed to be. I, I don't think I have, and then this sort of goes to a larger argument about whether or not films can be enjoyed by everyone. But I feel like this film was not targeted for me. I feel like it was not accessible for me. And maybe that's because I went into it not knowing anything about it. Maybe I you really did need to do your research so that you could sort of get into the film easier. But I like I think who was sitting Andy, you were sitting next to me. How many times did my head drop while I was watching that movie? Like, I mean I try I, I, I think I tr- oh. I tried not it to was, look at you, though. Yeah, it's like I that movie was such a long movie for me, and yep. like the perhaps the criticism is I don't have the attention span, which I, I think I dis I would disagree to that. 
I think I do have the attention span. I think I've sat through. I think of anyone I know, your attention span is fine. Yeah. yeah, so it's like I like I can focus for a long period of time, and my studies reflect that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so then I'm wondering, well, if it wasn't the attention time, then what what is it about this film that has prevented me from enjoying it as much as everyone else seems to have? Like mm. everyone's everyone is raving about this movie. Every single mm. review I had a little look through Letterbox. All of those reviews were saying how fantastic it is and. How you know Scorsese does it again, and he comes out with this massive, epic, culturally impactful film. And so I wonder, maybe if you two could speak to this as well, is are we out of the loop being in Australia? Do we not? You know, is the context of the um, the whole Native American land settlements and the dispute and the sort of history, like the terrible history with that? Granted, we have a similar one with our First Nations people, but does that is that like is there a cultural context to this film that's just we just don't have access to it and so do you think that's it i don't think that's it yeah no i'll be i'll be quick on that and say that i don't think i don't think cultural context is 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 is, is the divide because i think a lot of people worldwide have have found it rather accessible and have enjoyed it um but it's something we can dig down yeah. into uh andy yeah. oh your uh oh your opening thoughts um, I guess coming to this, this is definitely not what I'm used to from Scorsese because, you know, I've seen most of his New York gangster pics or pictures. Uh, but, you know, seeing the Western setting in a film from his from him, I think it was rather interesting. Uh, regarding to the grand time that Luke probably complained about, I guess... It, it, it probably feels really weird having one person feeling a little bit bored, having his head bobbing up and down while the other person's just like hooked onto the screen because I definitely did not feel at the long run time. I actually, I actually felt rather immersed to the entire theatrical experience. Um, kind of the same situation with The Irishman as well. Like I remember watching at home and then thinking it was only 30 minutes into the film and then I checked the, right, the time. It was actually one hour. So like, I think there's something about Thelma Shoemaker's editing that actually makes the film feel rather smooth and you know, makes it easy to sit through despite the runtime. So I guess Four Kills of the Flower Moon, I reckon if I saw it at home, would not be in any difference because I think the runtime is definitely accessible for me. Uh, but my attention span isn't really that good, but like for movies, I think it, it, you know, it, it, it works, my attention span for some reason. Anyway, uh, enough about my... Uh, movie going experience i think i think i i think I, i'd liked i like the like I, I i understood the plot um that's important that's definitely important the the accents were like the southern accents they were really hard to hard to understand while you're sitting in the loud theater but uh i guess on a rewatch i'll probably put subtitles on and then you know get all the dialogue in um i think the love story between Lily Gladstone, Leo DiCaprio, uh, it felt a bit distant, but I think it's meant to be. I guess we can look more into that during the discussion. Uh, anything else? Well, just just to jump onto that, Andy, I think isn't that exactly what um, DiCaprio, uh, Robert, Bob, you know, we're on first name basis as Bob and I. Um, oh, yeah, that's what yeah. Bob said at the start of the film when he said, you know, don't feel like you need to fill the conversation with words, even though oh. they're silent, 
they're fully aware of what's going on. And so in terms of the relationship, like that, the relationship between Lily and Leo's character, Leo is like running his mouth the whole time. Whereas Lily's character is quiet and slow. And I don't think, I mean, she gets, she only really gets angry when she gets upset, but I don't know if she was ever as out of control as Leo was. So I think that whole, I think that distance in their relationship was purposeful. I think that was, that was a theme of failing to, or like clashing of ideals. And so I think that was probably one of the reasons why you felt that. Yeah, I don't think I had Bob uh, say that at the start, so that's probably why. Yeah, it, it's I, when he's sort of introducing, yeah, it's when he's introducing Leo to basically, like, the area, and he's sort of saying, like, um, do you like red women? He's like, yeah, I like all women. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, well, this woman here, you know, you might like her. Like, that whole setup they did at the start, that's when he said, um, when you're having, you know, that's when he was like, don't make a fool of yourself. Like, don't go running your mouth. Which, oh, okay. you know, from Bob's perspective was more of him protecting himself and not wanting Leo to say anything that would incriminate him. But in terms of the larger themes of the movie, it's more, it could be sort of related to their relationship a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think, I think you're definitely right in that aspect. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, did, I didn't take notice of that detail uh, initially because, you know, we're just getting to the film and my mind's wandering off about other stuff. Probably yeah. usually takes me like 20 minutes to get into the movie. But anyway, I think I think what Doctor Luke said is very much something that I missed out on, and uh, yeah, I guess that's why I felt the the relationship between those two felt a bit distant for the audience. But like, I guess towards the end, you can sort of feel like it's coming together until what nearly Gladstone says about the shots, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, and I guess the brutality on the Osage community, uh, you know, it was definitely mm-hmm. out there, and I. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually really like the film. Uh, I'm luckily I'm probably running off my mouth here, but I guess I'll pass it over to Jane. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Just picking up on the relationship since you left it there, uh, I, I I did really buy into it, despite despite everything we're shown, despite Leo killing her family members. I, I I do feel like there was like a real love there that was kind of conveyed between the two. Um, and I think you say that in, in her trust for him. Um, and I think she always does trust him. Even even when she's like so sickly and poor in bed, I think she still does trust him that he, she's not the one making he's not the one making her sick. Um, so the relationship aspect I completely bought into it was like one of my one of the better aspects of the film for me personally. Um, because I think every time it was on screen it presented something interesting in that you know how bad he is for her, but she seems to love him and he does seem to reciprocate that to an extent. Um and I thought that, so I thought that kind of thing was always interesting and, and, you know, I think uh, it was the more engaging side of the film. Um, I think you definitely feel the three and a half hours. Um, I'm not sure if it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you definitely feel it. Like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't zip by. And I think it does at points, at, at points, frequent points, you know, you do struggle to, 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 to keep full interest, but, you know, it's, it's it's not the worst three and a half hour film to to watch. I don't think, in, 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 especially in terms of just you know, experience and, and staying with it. I think what you mentioned, Spooky, about you know Martin Scorsese pictures, uh, it, it gets me thinking about like how identifiable is he? You know, like when because when you talk about director trademarks, you know, you think of Spielberg, you know, you know, it's like 
ordinary character in extraordinary situations or you know you think of Nolan and time you think of you think of Tarantino and his and his and his non-linear storytelling mm. who's what? the dude that blows up everything who does <laughs> Michael, Bay. <laughs> Michael, Bay. Uh, Michael Bay Michael yeah Michael Bay yeah, yeah. yeah. so then when you when you when you're trying to think of Scorsese and what I was trying to think I was just like what identifies a Scorsese film and it usually is kind of slick crime thrillers and this is still a slick crime thriller, and and, and I think Andy mm. was saying that you know it's, it, this is something different for me, but I think it's the same. Fi- it's a, it's the same film, just painted differently. Um, I I was going to mention that actually. It, it it is basically a Scorsese film, but the, the landscape is completely different. Yeah. Like he's still got these um trademarks of violence in his films, such as the shots at the beginning of the dead bodies. You know when they when Lily Gladstone narrates the name and then the age of the oh the, yeah that that editing was fantastic yeah. it was fantastic that piece of montage montage editing I think that's what you still get from Scorsese's yeah. films so well. I think I think outside looking in it might be a bit harder not that it's hard to identify Scorsese but it's a bit it's a bit it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a bit looser to kind of define I think maybe I am kind of left stranded with this movie because like there are many parts I love but then it is also just a lengthy ordeal that I wasn't fully engaged with all the time. Um, but I did love the music. I don't know if you've got anything to say to that, Suki, because I, f- I feel like you would too, but this kind of thumping roots, roots blue kind of like bass that kind of just perpetually like kind of fucking you feel throughout the film. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and then, you know, every now and then it kind of peaks with any, 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 get some other like, I don't know, musical mm-hmm. that's coming into the, into the thing, but that kind of constant rhythmic thumping of, of, of like that, of that bluesy bass. Um, I yeah. thought it was really effective. Yeah. All right. Where do we want to? Yeah, I I did like. I didn't. I I wanted to acknowledge the soundtrack. What like as not acknowledge? That's the wrong word. I wish I had noticed the soundtrack more in my Same. viewing experience. It was only really in the moments when they forced you to listen to it. Like so, ma- mainly I'm thinking of the the end credits mm. when um it's the bird's eye view of the drums going around in a circle that's forcing you to listen to the music because that's what the action is on the screen it's drums playing and people dancing around it so in that context you're sort of forced to listen to the music but i can't really like apart from yeah the sort of so when you're talking about like the blue double bass is that just like when they're driving around town or just, just, when just, Leo's moving from one bit to another? It really is a constant throughout the film and it does become part of the soundscape of Fairfax. Like it, it does happen a lot. And at first I thought it was only going to happen like when like kind of underscoring like serious situations, but it does just happen throughout the film. Just it happens during the day, during the night, when Leo's on screen, when, 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 when King Hill's on screen, it, it, it does just kind of define the sound of the land there. Um, and I think it does it really well. Was there any, um, was, cause it seems like you've been paying more attention to the soundtrack than I have. Is there any, um, like Osage instruments that are sort of like, does like, is there like a Lily theme? Like, well, I, well, no, that's not what her character's name, Molly. Is there like a Molly's theme where even if there's an underlying bass soundtrack, when something happens related to her, there's like an instrumental flair that sort of signifies the beat of her story. Was that something that existed in the film or was the whole point of the soundtrack that it was whitewashed? Well, actually, it's a bit, it's, it's rough to say whitewashed when blues is not a white um, music genre, but I, I mean, we, well, let's say, we, yeah, yeah, western washed. Let's yeah. say that. Western washed. Um, 
No, you, you you need Finney to complete that comment. Sorry, because I, I, you know, I, right. In terms of specific themes, he's probably better on that stuff. But you know, I can only tell you about what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I, 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 it, it wouldn't surprise me if there was definitely you know uh, Native American elements incorporated throughout. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that um, <clears throat> the guy who composed the film, I can't remember his name, Bobby Robinson. He, Bobby Robinson, I think. Yeah, yeah, like the guy who scored Scorsese's films. I think he passed away recently, and mm. the the film was dedicated to him. And I think he is a First Nations person. So, like when Luke is talking about whitewashed, I'm just beginning to think he doesn't. He doesn't mean in terms of the cast. He, oh, he just yeah. means in terms of the no, musical no, I style. Mean, yeah, no, no, that's yeah. what I'm talking about the music. Like, but also, like the, the I mean, I actually, I mean it in more of the theme of the movie. So, the, like oh. the theme of the movie being like Western control and taking over First Nations land. And so that would be reflected in a soundtrack that prioritizes Western sounds and um, pushes down and constricts any kind of First Nation influence. That's that's what I meant by Western wash. So that like I that could oh, okay. have been co- done in collaboration with a First Nations person, but the, like the theme of the soundtrack would be oppression, and so it would be pushing down all of the instrumental flares that have significance to that culture and like dominating it with the sort of bluey Western base that that would be my point but maybe oh, zach okay. knows a little yeah. bit more about the soundtrack yeah i yeah. guess so yeah yeah well r.i.p to the composer yeah yeah, yeah. He, so, so that's so your was interesting because like i think he's only scored like six films and in terms of doing master Fantasy, what's he scored well on letterbox anyway okay. he, he, he scored fucking this one irishman and i think color of money and like i think like the other three are just random shit like um, so I've I've always thought of him as interesting because I think I think he, he most of his time was spent like leading a band, like, leading yeah, he's a band musician mostly. Yeah. I think he's a musician as well. Yeah. Um, it could it could probably be scoring Sesame Street, yeah, because Teddy from off is an online box. Um, but yeah, cool lad, I guess. Yeah, so I think yeah. he, yeah, so as as he was on the music department and soundtrack for a shit ton of things, like soundtrack is oh, on oh. he's in one hundred thirty one films, but I think that's his like work with the band. But yeah, he's only composed ten films. But um, in terms of what I've seen from him composing, it's um, I just quite like this film. Is is Irishman one of the films? Irishman, King of Comedy, and Color of Money. Okay, so two pretty recent, two pretty early ones. Yeah, or a few early ones. Okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. How does how does the cast feel for you? Is is it a stacked cast? Is it like I feel like there was I feel like everyone pulled their weight i don't mm. feel like anyone was sort of a drag in the film but as i was sort of i think i was talking to liam about this when i was leaving the movies is it like or maybe i was talking to everyone is it a lot of people were saying like lily's performance was spectacular oh, yeah. blew yeah. the film away yeah, yeah, or people yeah, were yes. saying like yeah. you know leo was great but maybe i just don't understand the context of their acting because for me no like i was looking for like something so but i couldn't find it so am I just what are the what are the signifiers of a fantastic acting performance, particularly from Lily? I did think Lily like I guess it's not as a it's not like performance of the year kind of performance from Lily Gladstone, but I think it is as good Isn't as it? everyone says. It it is it is as good as everyone says. I feel like it is like I think she plays a character really well. She she sort of controls it, never over never overdoes it. Right. 
And there's like a lot of subtleties in her emotions where she's just like, yeah. I think her, I think her um, body language and her, you know, eye, eye, what you would call it, yeah. <laughs> eye, eye presence or some shit. It, it, it is, it is, it is, it is top notch. Some of her, so, like, I just like looking at her. She, she was really good. Uh, so she, ha- she like controlled all the scenes that she was in and sort of visually dominated them. Basically, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yes, thank you right. for finishing it up for me. Whereas for Leo's performance, I thought he's the weakest out of the three. I thought it, it kind of yeah. felt like the same performance as he had in Shutter Island. Mm, I disagree uh, with that. Before she, but he's still good. He is still good. But it is just, it is, it it, it isn't like I can't find something amazing out of Leo's performance quite yet. Maybe on a rewatch, but I thought he was good enough as as the main actor. Uh, or the main character in this film. Yeah. I think, you know, you're still going to enjoy another Scorsese Leo collab as usual. Yeah. I think this is, this is quite different from what we see from Leo. Cause he, you know, he, he, he like, uh, when was the last time he played a bad guy and, and let alone him won this CD. That's true. Um, Django and Untra- Django. Django and Tra- oh, there you go. This, this is kind yeah, of seedy kind of character. Yeah. Um, oh is- yeah. He was, he was a different villain in Django. Yeah. In Django, he was confident where in this one, he's more of like a, a bulldog that someone's kicked in the And he balls. has like moral compass yeah. thing in him as well um, as a villain, yeah. as a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think the big three did play it really well. Um, I think, I think Lily's performance. Yeah. Spooky. Uh, I think, I think as an outsider of the community, it might be hard, but like also at the same time, like, I agree with you. Like it, I think, it, I think it's difficult to define good acting. And especially when you see something getting so universally praised, and you're searching for what it is. I think it's difficult. I, th- I think it, it, it is difficult right. to just pin okay. down. Um, yeah. I, I think her performance was very solid. I, th- I think she was. I think she was quite good. Um, yes. But in terms of best of the year, I, you know, I really don't know. Um, I think. Yeah. I think that. I think that was just a like. I, th- I think control was a key word they used. I think. I think that's 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 true. I I I, I think Scorsese's director has directed her well to 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 to, to, fit, to fit to fit to fit to fit the role. Um, mm. Probably, yeah. yeah. Just ever present, even in the background, you kind of take note of her, and I, I think, um, yeah, understated is 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 is, yeah. is, is probably something else. Um, Big King Hill is also fantastic. I really did love Robert Near on this. I think it was really, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'll, we'll get to you in a second, Andy. Um, yeah, I, I I loved De Niro every time he put on his goals when he was paddling Leo. I think it was I think <laughs> I think it was like a he 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 was the energy of the movie for me like he was where like if he was on screen is when the movie kind of got erratic or you know it it, it kind of got traditionally engaging um whereas you know leo i think was quite solid in just delivering this off um erratic no like off his usual kind of um divergent tangential yeah tangential character to his to build profile, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I think this the the strength of the acting comes in the relationship that they build, and, and like I was saying, the start for me, mm, like how much yeah. I did build, I buy into it, despite what we know about the relationship being a farce. Um, mm. Yeah, and then Jesse Plemons as well just rocks up with an hour to go and um, <laughs> just just kills it. That goes yeah. back to the stat cast that Luke was asking about. Like the first half, we were just seeing Bobby. Leo and Lily, and then until the second half, they just blast out like, these kind of guys like Jesse Plemons, 
John Lithgow from yes, the Lithgow, yeah. Sun, and then Brendan Fraser in one fucking scene. Yeah. It's just like wow. Oh there, yeah, there's, there's a stack cast right there. Yeah. Fraser yeah, was um, a stack. Fraser was another brilliant one for me. Um, and like I think I was yeah. saying to you guys how like uh, when we when we're outside of the theater, like um, the way that he just kind of immediately comes in and in the, and in the courtroom when he, when he stands up and he grows with the room and you feel his power. Yeah, you know, you, it's it's a real like kind of representation and extension of, of 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 King Hill, and the way he grows and dominates and just instantly changes. Um, yeah. So that was brilliant from Fraser. Brilliant scene there. I'll actually say to to Scorsese's credit. That was actually a moment where I was like, oh shit, the film's still going. <laughs> like it, it, it actually woke me up a little bit because I was sort yes, of like, I, um, I noticed, oh, it's the yeah. court scene, we're about to be done. But then the, like this massive rise and this like Fraser sort of not yelling, but like just demanding with his voice and how you said, Jaden, how he just like lifts himself up in the scene. It's like, oh, like, oh, there's still more to this film. Like it sort of brought me back in when I was sort of fading out a little bit. Mm. Yeah, he's got that huge command mm. as like a, you know, his character in general. I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. the camera does a lot to help him because it kind of like swings in <laughs> yeah, a bit yeah. underneath and just it just kind of helps him when he gets up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called again? Low, low, low. Oh fuck. Um, low, no, low rise or something. I don't know. Low rise. Low angle. Yeah. Oh shit! I, I do, I do, I do media. This is your stuff, Andy. This is your jam. <laughs> See, that's how lazy I am these days. I just watch films. I can't. I can't think anymore. Anyway, was, yeah. um, was Fraser's good, good, good voice <laughs> um, was Fraser's voice wrong for the location for the period? Yeah, I, I was going to mention that actually. Like, because yeah. like he sounded like Brendan Fraser to me, whereas everyone else sounded like someone from the nineteen twenties. He um he might just be like a city lawyer that that King Hill. Oh yeah, yeah. To bring and he's sort of yeah he's yeah. pulled in from somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. This is you brought this up before you brought this up before Jaded and I think it's um when we're talking about the themes of this movie and oppression and um you, like the dark history that America has shared um it it's a really important question that as film goers we should ask ourselves and that's um if you were bent over a table by Robert De Niro on a scale <laughs> of 1 to 10 how much would you enjoy him paddling you now I think we could go around the board and discuss our reasons. I think there's a bit of truth right. first. Um, De, Niro, De Niro did genuinely paddle DiCaprio in that scene. It is real contact, um, but he, 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 he was wearing like padded pants. But but like Boom. like he was told like hit him at full strength. Which I mean like De Niro is like eighty, so you know it's probably like fucking <laughs> one kilogram per fucking you know. Yeah. Uh, you know whatever that that physics thing is you know one kg per second per meter squared or whatever the fuck um yeah kilogram per meters per second squared yeah that one um yeah momentum yes it was probably very little momentum in it because he's frail and 80 but still it looks hard um yeah well what did it i i didn't think it looked as hard but i think i just have a flawed sense of someone hitting someone because of all the cw shows i've seen where like they hit and they all like fly over. Cause like I watched him paddle and I was like, ooh. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, is it, is it too bad? But then like he fell on the floor and I was like, is that acting or is he actually quite sore in this moment? Have, have you never been paddled? Not with a bat. <laughs> Spanked. <laughs> there was one time where the, um, no. Cut, cut. But um, was that um something about that scene? 
that I wanted to talk about, and I guess this sort of speaks to Daenerys' character, is um, weird emphasis on the Bible. So mm. it was like there was like a close up on the Bible, and then he. So I'm assuming he's like swearing on the Bible, and then he says, "Take the Bible off," and then he like he paddles him, and then he puts the Bible back. Is is that supposed to be some kind of metaphor for him disregarding common commonality to pursue his own gains or something, or is he suggesting that he's more powerful than God in how he's essentially created this town and financed it and all the power he has? Or was that just him showing res- like was that him in a strange way still showing respect? And so he said, "Well, let's let's take the Bible off because the Bible is sacred." But then is that supposed to juxtapose against his treatment towards First Nations people? Where's Liam when you needed him? Because I think yeah. he's um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure about this, oh, but like, we, are, we are shown that it, it is like a Masonic kind of building. And I think the implication is that they're part of like some kind of Masonic brotherhood. Um, and I, I thought think, it was a church. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a bank. I'm pretty sure it said Masons on it. Did it? I'm pretty sure it did. Uh, church. Okay. Um. And I think they do have some kind of link with religion. I don't know about how deep it is and how and, and about this stuff about. Well, know. there was a church because that's um. Molly said, "Are you Catholic?" And he goes, "Yep." And he's like, "I don't see you at church." Which, that's another so, interesting thing: yeah. the fact that they're actually Catholic and not like, um, Baptist or or, or Presbyterian, or whatever the fuck they are over there. Because Catholics are are not the biggest, um, I think Christian group in 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 America, um, hmm. and the fact that it's a it's it's a. Like obviously we're showing that the Osage and the and the and and and, and the whites um, do interact, but the fact that it's a it's a shared church um, still surprised me quite a lot. And the fact that it's Catholic as well was interesting. Um, Wait, was it a shared church? Because as saw... in there was no segregation. Yeah. Well, is that because um, what they kept saying, like whenever anyone would try to go to the bank, they need their representative or they need their. So is that why they're allowed in there? Because they have their representative? Is that why there would be a mixing in that church? No, like there's a church uh, yeah, and then they let them in? Or is there like... Well, a... I think we see Lily talking to the pastor like alone at the start, like prior Oh, that's to, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I yeah. think it is just a, you know, to go, you know, good old liberal thinking left, it's, left, left leaning. Yeah, channel. it's like you, you don't really want to call them progressive, do you? Yeah, no. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> um, yeah. What... So, Andy, let's talk about De Niro. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen quite a few of De Niro's performances, and maybe, Jaden, mm-hmm. you can speak to this as well. How divergent is this from the character that De Niro plays? Has he played this character before? Um, I can't recall um, from the top of my head, but this is probably the first time I've seen him do a different accent in a film. He's uh, usually, yeah. usually he sounds like himself in most of his roles in Scorsese's films. Right. Oh, but like just in films in general, he has had his share of villain roles and yeah. this is still playing a gangster, which he's done plenty of times. Like I, 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 I think I, the untouchables, he played a villain. He played, he did play Al Capone. Yeah. yeah. Al Capone. Um, yeah. Okay. He, I, I, I do think back to his kind of good type role, in a, I guess a bit. It does feel similar to the one in Kills of the Flower Moon, actually. Yeah. But, like, Ray Liotta was a main character, and here, Leo is the main character, and Robert De Niro sort of sits back, but, like, still has that strong presence about him yeah. in sort of, like, a, a role where he has to sit back a bit. And I think he did a good job in that aspect, kind of similar to Goodfellas. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's I, I did I did find I did have a lot more fun with this De Niro performance than 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 his Goodfellas or some of his other ones. But yeah, it's Same, it's, it's 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 um <laughs> it's not as atypical as what Leo was doing. Okay. Yeah. I I definitely thought his performance kills a film is a lot stronger than Goodfellas, uh, which is probably something that not many people would agree with, considering they have like a like a sort of nostalgia with Goodfellas as one of, or one of actually the best Scorsese film that everyone probably has seen. Yeah, I'm a Goodfellas hater, so I don't take that just that stance. Good, good for you, Jane. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but like, crazily enough, just from this discussion, I think Killers of the Flower is kind of similar to the one, to the performance he had in Goodfellas for some reason, mm. because he is that second main character. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I liked him I seeing think, him um, back a bit. In, uh, like, I'm fine spoiling because we talked about it on the show quite a few years ago. Um, but in, in in Goodfellas as well, does isn't he doesn't he feel like he's being greatly wronged by Ray Liotta, right? And so hey, is, there's that same kind of sense of like this main character is like he like because yeah, Ray Liotta still goes on to testify and like he outs like the whole. Oh, like, that's so like, similar. There, there, there are there are quite a lot of like kind of strings you can draw across between Goodfellas and and Killers, surprisingly. Yeah, that that is that is the similarity, like a sort of a parallel. Uh, between those two films about the relationship between um, De Niro and the main character. Yeah. I guess, another, com- another comparison yeah. is that uh, a Scorsese is an actor in both of those films. You see, I was trying to think, is, is Scorsese in Goodfellas? Or his mum's in Goodfellas. It's, it's, it? His mum is Joe Pesci's mum. Catherine, yeah. Catherine's yeah. in Catherine, Goodfellas. Catherine. Is, is, is Martin <laughs> in Goodfellas? I can't remember. No idea. I don't think he was. Like I, would, I, would, I, would, like, I usually remember all his cameos. But I don't think I've ever seen him in Goodfellas. Mm. Is that like, something he taxi does often? Yeah, I think... I, I Sometimes. This, were we talking about it in the car, Andy, on the way back? Um, about, like, where he appears? Or were we talking about that together? I can't remember. I think we were talking about that together, but then we were just talking about the last scene with Scorsese. Yes. Uh, yeah. paper. We didn't really talk about his past uh, cameos. But I think the past cameos I remember him from was Taxi Driver as the guy with a snake, with, 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 like a fever. Uh, King of Comedy as a TV producer. Um, Shark Tales. Yeah, Shark Tales. Shark Tales. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's in Raging Bull as well and um, Gangs of New York. Hugo looks like his last um, direct, Hugo. Uh, uh, cameo as a director, though. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I'd say he wasn't in Goodfellas then. Uh, we just wrote a. Doctor Luke's point. No, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> no, no, because his mum's still in his mum's still in Goodfellas. Yeah. So there's okay, a, there, there we there's go. There's a right. Scorsese yeah. in both films. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah. uh, th- thanks for bringing up that last scene, Andy. That was probably one scene. of my favourite scenes in the movie when it cuts oh, to yeah. the radio, um, the radio play, like mm. sort of recounting the events and things like that. I just thought that was awesome because, like, <laughs> yeah. that's what they um, mm. that was like the original form, or well, not original, but like. I know that Scorsese loves cinema and art. Yeah. And like the whole idea of him sort of paying tribute to this lost art form of radio plays. It's like, I thought that was quite nice. And it was fun fun to see all of the sort of rubbing of the paper and banging of the chimes and all the sort of different noises they made to try and make it more of a sort of um, rounded story. I just thought, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. 
Yeah. Did you know Zach not lock, didn't lock that part or some shit about that? Yeah, but Zach's stupid. He's not here. Yeah. He we can badmouth Zach wait, all wait, we want. Wait, what? what? Did, didn't he say he liked it? Oh, he liked it, but he didn't. Oh, I think he was just talking about the lost art. He didn't really yeah. care about. Yeah. Because because everything you're saying, Spooky, I was saying like as we as we're going back. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like pretty much spot on. Um, <laughs> did Doctor Luke read our thoughts yeah. or some shit? I was just like, yeah. Uh, we call yeah, that foley do. work. You know, when he's trying to use all that shit to make the to to replicate the noises. You call that foley. Fol- foley, foley as work. in like a baby horse. Foley as in like fake. Foley. I don't know. Yeah, yeah okay like, yeah it's yeah. like the like you know like when people when you see like people like punching watermelons and like snapping celery to like imitate like you know meat and and breaking oh, yeah. bones you call that foley yeah foley yeah. okay yeah that was cool i thought i thought that kind of ending was something i i'm used to from, from wes edison like he's a bit of a quirky little cunt like he does like <laughs> all that like he he likes to do all that fancy stuff but i didn't expect to see it from um scorsese uh yeah. at the end yeah, I thought it's something that Wes usually does, but coming from Scorsese, I guess it it yeah. it was like a he sort of like pulled me under the rug, just like whoosh, here you go, yeah. I'm gonna offer you probably one of my, more of my best cinematic endings of all time, or the best cinematic ending I'll ever have done in my filmmaking career. And I thought the way he yeah. sent off that story well, to make yeah. it more something more memorable, I thought that was probably to, the big to, thing that yeah. I took away from in that. Cinematic experience. Cinematic experience? Yeah. To, to sort of extend that, Andy, and this was a conversation yeah. we were having before the movie. Uh, okay. After having seen this movie, if if Scorsese dropped dead tomorrow, how would you feel, uh, like, uh, this as a swan song? Like, how would you feel if this was the last film that Scorsese produced? Do you think he would have left on a high? Or do you think it, it sort of, you know, people would talk about his... Goodfellas and Shutter Island and Avi, you know, like all, all these sort of like um, King of Comedy, would they talk about those kinds of movies or would they mm. sort of use this movie as like, oh, you know, Martin Scorsese, he did this one? I think people talked a lot about Killers of the Flower Moon uh, before the release and, you know, he's got letterboxed uh, during the film promo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somehow, if he did do- drop dead tomorrow, I think a lot of people will remember this film. Although, this isn't a swan song I would want from him. Like I, I probably want to see another project from him afterwards, and then he can drop dead. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine a Native American story being his last film that should be in his filmography. But I, that 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 stuff, I just like. I don't why, think that why makes not? Sense. It? Why not, Andy? I, I don't know. I, no, <laughs> no, just, what I'm explaining doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Like I'm urging for another project before he, you know, yeah. yeah. Unexpected thing is, like, like with the question speaking, like, like, unlike many other directors, like, Scorsese, you really are spoiled with just fucking fifty years of, of actual genuine brilliance, um, just throughout, you know, starting back in, you know, Main Streets and all that shit, and then you get Raging Bull, and you get you get Age of Innocence, you get you get Aviator, you get Goodfellas, Casino, you get Silence, you get Shutter Island, you get fucking everything and everything in between. Like and not the departed, the departed as well. Um, like and, and like the, the gangster films typify him, which I I think Andy's saying he wants to see a gangster film for him to go out. Like the gangster films typify his filmography, but he has so many other frequent and brilliant films throughout that. If he was to NTL, it'd be it'd be perfect because like Silence is his best yeah. film, just personally and okay. and just factually. Silence is is the best film he's ever made, um, and that's not a gangster film. That's a that's a really 
it's a really brilliant kind of study of of religion in 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 Japan in the 1600s. Uh, so had this been his final film, I think it'd be it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely be fine. But I do want like Jane read off the top of my mind a gangster film to be his um his it, the you know okay we just say swan song then. Yeah, I was just going to think of another big word, but I can't. Really I, I don't know. I think Shark Tales Two would be pretty lit. Yeah, we need a sequel directed Shark Tales. If he directed it, it would be it would be pretty lit. His his TikTok daughter would definitely ask him to do it. Uh, I, I I get that sense that she might force him. She to would. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. She would. Yeah. yeah. Francesca. What's her name? Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I, I think the, the 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 location is 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 very important to this film. Um. Just in terms of, in terms of identifying the players, but also the struggles. Like, um, you know, you know how it is down here. It's I, I assume it's the same up there, where the 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 OSH people are very much their own people compared to the Cher- to the Cherokee or the Chicksaw or the Merrihawks or whatever. Um, so in establishing Fairfax, um, I think I think they did a fantastic job of showing this 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 native location that ha- that has been, you know westernized whitewash whatever you want to say um but i think they did just a brilliant job of, of building the actual town i don't know how much of it was set how much of it was location what was what um but i i think there was there, there, was, a, there was a great authenticity to fairfax and to the surrounding areas that um that i really loved uh yeah you have anything to say about that set dressing or you know just locations and stuff it looked cool yeah i mean yeah. it just seemed so i I didn't seem spectacular. Like it wasn't, no. I don't think I, I mean, no. I was, I bought it. Like I didn't think it was fake or anything, but there was nothing about the setting that made me think, um, Oh, you know, this is a fantastic place to shoot a film. Like maybe like there was no shot in the movie, except for maybe one of the opening shots at the start when it was like, um, pointing at the oil fields or something like that. But there was no point in the movie where I was like, Oh, that's a really good in capturing of the landscape. It was just sort of in the background the whole time, mm-hmm. like consistently throughout the film, but you know, um, nothing too spectacular for me. But then maybe that's just I just don't know what to look for. I guess the only spectacular thing was the oil uh, being used in the film, and that's pretty much the only thing mm-hmm. I got out of the set, uh, out of the production design or the set uh, design. Yeah. Other than I that, expected a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, there was something that I did notice in the movie, which I, I think I noticed it was um, at the start of the film, when the oil spurred out, the Osage, their reaction to it was different to when, I think a later shot in another film, there was a bunch of um, white people that were covered in oil. And mm. they were like frantic and like running around and trying to grab at it. Whereas when it, like the Osage sort of rejoiced in it, whereas the, mm. the, and the sort of the other, like the white people sort of like um started slipping around and falling over and like sort of scattering and clawing and so was that supposed to just sort of be another reflection of the two different perspectives on using the land and you know knowing your place and greed like the, the whole idea of like the coyote and things like that like that's how the the native americans got their wealth right in yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. of the oil well they they owned the land which the oil was on yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, I think I think what you're talking about is just comes down to the fact that to the white people it is money, it is a commodity, 
it is something they sell to get rich. It is everything you said, greed, whatever. Whereas for the Osage, I can only assume it, it's a part of subcultural, right? It's a, um, it's a glory for them as well. Because like that that first um, kind of oil sweat you see, that's it doesn't it's not manufactured it looks like a small hole in the ground that it starts coming from it it, it seems mm-hmm. like it's very much more part of a rite of passage rather than yeah them trying to exploit it for some use you know rather than it just being a kind of ceremonial thing oh um, it, did, it didn't seem ceremonial to me it seemed um not like ceremonial mirac- it yeah. seemed like a miracle like because the the before that they were having a burial for their teaching and they were saying our young people will never learn our teachings they'll never hear our language and then mm. like oil comes out from the ground i i interpreted that as oh this is their chance to reclaim or like hold on to their sovereignty and this is their opportunity to thrive and then the whole idea is that well it actually wasn't their opportunity to thrive it was taken over and controlled by um greedy external white people yeah, no, I disagree with your interpretation. I think they always knew about the oil, and I think they always used it in in their own ways. Um, okay, I think, I think the the, I think the 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 kind of monologue about the death of their culture is about the oil people coming in. Um, okay. but I don't I don't think that shot straight afterwards is meant to be like a reflection of or of a celebration or of a of a, of a death. I think it's just showing it. Okay. Yeah. Just showing oil. Mm. I think yeah. It was, yeah. Nice slow-mo shot as well. Yeah. Do you guys reckon? Yeah. Did it feel did it feel off the slow-mo shot of them rejoicing with the oil splitting out of the ground? No, it seemed like, you know, it was capturing the last moments of freedom. Or like it was capturing the last moments before everything went to shit. Like before it went downhill. Like in terms of the movie, like it's the last moment of this like it was a white, it was an open green field. There was only one little hut in the background. You know, it was like there was no one around. It was just them. It was like this is the last moment for them before the film starts. And then when the film starts, you're in the city and you've everyone's just got, you're, you're, yeah, Leo's, every, Leo's just gotten off the train. There's everyone around him. And so then it's sort of all the commercialization and industrialization starts. I don't know um, if you guys noticed, but, um, there was no CGI bad guy. And so that really pulled me out of it. There was no CGI bad guy whose superpowers are the same as the hero, but different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, there, and there was no color distinction. Like, there wasn't, like, a red versus a blue or, like... So it's hard um, for you to kind of decide. It was, it was things, really so. hard for me to understand the themes. And there yeah. was no post credit scene. Like, what the hell? What well, kind to be of fair, movie? we didn't stay through the entire credits, so there <laughs> might have been. Yeah. What kind of Scorsese cinematic universe is he trying to build here? I mean, mm. come on. Lacking all the fundamentals of great filmmaking, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Roller coasters. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with a bit of trivia. Um, Here we go. In the in in the original script, DiCaprio was meant to play the character that Jesse Plemons had then came to fulfill. Um, that's because the original script was far more about the actual FBI investigation and the founding of that. Um, before it was changed into this focus on the love story between um, DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone's character. Mm. Um, you have any thought about thoughts about that? Well, so uh, so they did change the script because yes. this was this yeah. was a conversation we were having at the end of the cinema where I, I was saying they 
they changed the shit, the script, but then we didn't know if they changed the script or they changed from the original source material. Yeah, so, so, so they did change the script. So that yeah, so they initially adapted the source material more faithfully, I guess. But then, but then yeah, they did they did change the script, and then when it shifted, DiCaprio said, "No, I, I want, I don't, I don't want that role anymore." I can't remember if he said, "I don't want that role," or if it was if it was written. The change was written with him, with him in in mind, okay, changing yeah. character as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, actually, Martin, I I would really like to look like a bulldog who's had his testicles removed with like a sad pouty face the whole movie. Do you think <laughs> do you think we could make that happen? He said, Leo, I've got you, my friend. I got a role for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. I I guess what um Jane mentioned in the trivia, I guess that probably was the best thing for Scorsese, um, changing from the original material. I guess. I I couldn't see Scorsese making a film about a group of FBI's, you know, looking into the Osage murders. I guess it's way more interesting if it's to- told from I guess Ernest's perspective and then put into a love story with one of the sisters in that uh, mm. Osage community. And um, I guess if it was an FBI being the main character, it wouldn't feel like a main Scorsese archetype. I guess that's why he kind of changed it to. Nah, not yeah. like The Departed. Mm. Oh, yeah, nah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. No, no, but, you know, jokes aside, I guess the change did really feel effective in a way. And then, you know, I guess if people saw, saw a Scorsese film about FBI, I don't think people would be interested. People want to see, you know, a bad guy with a, with a moral compass and then he can, you know, you know, go face-to-face with his uncle towards the end and, you know, have a conflicting love story. I guess that's all the suitable greens for a Scorsese picture. Whereas if you, if, if, if you talk to, if you, if you want to watch a film about FBI looking into the Osage community, I guess another director would handle that like Michael Mann or something. I don't know, but yeah, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just my perspective on the script changes that Jen mentioned. I mean, do we need another FBI film? No, we don't. Yeah. Absolutely. Do, do do we need this movie? Yeah, I reckon we did. Jesus, spooky! What a fucking loaded question. <laughs> like, it's an important movie in terms of Native Native American representation because there isn't a whole fucking lot of it. Dan, to have such a high profile director come in and tell a story from their perspective is cool. I know there's a lot of issue taken with it as well because it's not a Native American telling the story, but they got to take what they can get because I mean, exactly. this is brilliant kind of representation um, and it is it, it is all school says he knows as well it is this is the way faithful it is it is you know non-malicious it is it is it is you know it is it, it it is an important film for them i think but like um i don't know what was, what was the actual question important for them or important just in general <laughs> is it important in general i guess oh, it's okay. important for them is it important for everyone I guess by default. Whatever Scorsese does, it will be important for everyone. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that I think I think there's importance across the board. I know in in saying that a, a film like this can still be made and still draw an audience. Uh, the fact that Apple's throwing two hundred million behind this film, you know, is, is <laughs> that, important. That was that was so um, disorientating <laughs> seeing the Apple logo at the start of this movie. Yeah. Um, oh, that, yeah. What the hell is that about? Yeah. It's just like crazy. Yeah, it, it's it, it's an important film. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. That. Any any movie that sort of unearths an unnoticed or unrecognized history is important. Yeah, like, yeah. there would be no, there would be like I for one did not know anything about 
um, this. No, you're so, Australian. You shouldn't need to know about it anyway. Like, it's yeah, the, no. there shouldn't be an expectation that you know, you know, every tragedy of the Native Americans. We don't know many tragedies in America, to be honest. Why should we? But it's good that we got to learn off um, Killers of the Flower Moon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. I think I was going to mention something as well. Like, if if it had it been in the hands of another filmmaker or a filmmaker of um, Native American origin, I guess it. It would just be like plain Oscar bait. I think Scorsese is way too smart for that. And I think his final product is genuinely probably something that every cinephile will be happy with. You know, like the thing is, the, conviction the, the, behind every shot, every frame. The, the, the film never would have come around that way because it, it was... Oh, okay. Because the source material was adapted, you know? Um, and it was changed. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think other filmmakers... Because Scorsese, I don't know, Scorsese does have an actual script credit. It's not just... He came in as a director, and he any 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 rewrote. Oh, yeah, he co-wrote it. Yeah, with Eric he has an actual script credit, and like, like I don't think with another filmmaker you get this story in this way at all, because I don't no, think anyone no. else would have really bothered to 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 even like try and shift the perspective. Yeah, I guess you're on that way. But then you're just playing what ifs, I guess. So you can just yeah, a lot, lot of what ifs, and I think we're overthinking it. But you're spooky. What if? What yeah. if? Yeah. What if? It's Scorsese though, like. The way he read that monologue at the end, it you could tell this this tragedy really met to him, and then he really was urged to have put it out on screen for everyone else mm-hmm. to look at. But not the way the novel did it; the way he probably wanted to have it, you know, from what I just said earlier. And I guess that yeah. was the best thing he's ever done for this source material. Just it's not faithful, but it's it's it more so reflects on how he wants yeah. people to see the Osage tragedy, not just it's, about... It's faithful in a different and... way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there, yeah. there we go. Dr. It's Luke, not faithful yeah. to the source material, but it's faithful to history. I think um, I think the, the, the writer yeah. of the novel has had quite a few things adapted. Um, Did he? Yeah, Lost City of Z as well. Um, oh, that shit, yeah, the one with... Um, that film <laughs> with uh, Charlie, Charlie Hunnam and... Uh, yeah. Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, yeah. That Dark Crimes... Uh, trial by fire. Yeah, there's a few that I've heard of that are uh, that of, of his like works that have been adapted. So that's interesting. I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, good. You know, that's why that's why I got good reads to, mm. to these books. I might um, I might I might wrap it up around here unless you guys got more to say. But I was going to ask, what did you guys think about the wider cast? Like we we spoke about the big four, well, the big mm. three mainly, and then we spoke about Jessica Clemens a lot as well, a bit. Um, what did you guys think of the sisters, um, the brothers, you know, the, the, the bandit criminals we get introduced to? Have fun. Did you like them? Did you hate them? Didn't care. Luke, you go first. Okay. I'll, 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 uh, like, I'll um, one, the one dude that they tried to get to do all the crimes was like Blackie. a knock. No, not Blackie. The, the one that has all the kids. They got arrested. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With like yeah, the mustache. It looked like they really wanted to get that, you know, that guy that has that really deep country voice. I do know the guy because I yeah. thought it was that guy, but I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, they yeah. really wanted to get him, but there was a conflict. There was like a scheduling conflict, so they've gotten this guy. So that's that, mm. <laughs> that's, that's what I saw. Yeah, but no, no there was no yeah. one else. Like I didn't know anyone. Like I knew Brendan Fraser, and I the only reason why I knew Todd was because of Breaking Bad. So um. <laughs> Work no, up, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't recognize anyone else. So, mm. um, 
But like there was, there was one guy that was annoying. That was the dude that like went into the um, office and was like, if I adopt these two children and kill them, will I get money? You thought he, it was that, that was funny. He, I was, it was funny, but he, sp- he spoke really, really quickly. And yeah, I found it difficult to understand him at times. But other than that, I don't really remember nice. anyone. Yeah. Um, I, I think for, for a lot of the uh, Osage, or not, they're, not, they're not all Osage in real life, but for a lot of the Native American cast, um, it's quite a lot of those uh, first films. Um, I think oh, yeah. all the sisters, bar Lily Gladstone's um, character, I think I think it was all their first films um, from what yeah. I saw. Yeah, all the sisters' oh, wow. first films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought they did, they, they did really well um, just mm. acting uh, for the first film. Um, Still think Abby's better? Who's Abby? Who's Abby? <laughs> From FNAF? <laughs> oh, yes. yes. She's, <laughs> she, she, she's a fantastic <laughs> child actress. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that. Um, yeah, yeah she, she, she's a great child actor. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I, I had a lot of fun with the supporting cast as well, um, with the brother, with um, the other blokes that they commit the crimes with. Um, there is one complaint. I think all Australian viewers have to listen to this, if they are, if they will. Um, but there is a 30-second scene that was cut from yeah. all Australian releases that really? I thought could, yeah. I could have I could have thought it would be important for us to see it, honestly. there Because Paramount decided to cut this 30-second part in order to get it. Um, they, they tried to cut this 30-second scene out in order to get the M rating. Only 30 seconds, because apparently they tried to avoid the MA15 rating. Yeah. And uh, the 30 second scene happened to be the part after the explosion of the last sister that died. Um, there was a part, because after the shot of the, the sister's dead body, you know, uh, panning out mm. from bird's eye view, there was a bunch of guys lifting the corpse up, and then her brain falls out. And then mm. there's, there's like an added 10 second reaction shot of Leo DiCaprio look, reacting to the brain ah. falling out. And then I guess my question to you guys is, do you think that would have had an added meaning to Leo's reaction? Uh, yeah. Does it just like impact the violence a little bit or will it just could have, could it, could, could have had, uh, it, like would have had, uh, would have um, recontextualized uh, Ernest's character in some way because of that slip of a brain. Sorry for the stutter. Yeah. I um, I think it's actually probably better that it was cut out. You reckon? I think it's better for Ernest's character to just be shocked at the pure violence of what he's done, without showing the grotesque nature of it. Um, mm. I also think it's better for the studio. I think it's better for people that the film be more accessible. You know, for yeah. this, for, for you know, for this one fourteen-year-old kid to take a random chance and be like, oh, I might as well go see this new new film. And he can walk in freely without a parent or guardian, and he sits there and he's engrossed for three and a half hours, and he now becomes involved in cinema. He likes it, and he saves us. He saves the media, you know. I think it's. <laughs> I think. I think that's more important for what Scorsese wants. I think it's. Um. I think it's better that they actually cut it. To be honest, other other cinemas get that missing scene. Missing scene though, but for other some, countries. Yeah, other countries, but yeah. I think Australian cinemas don't get it for some reason. Mm. And I think what Jane said does actually make sense now, but. I do feel like that stuff is just something you probably see from a Tarantino film. It feels odd for, to see it in a Scorsese film. But still, I think that should have been kept in, regardless if you want four-year-olds to walk in and watch. Not four, 14. Yeah. 14. Oh, you said 14, didn't you? Sorry. 14-year-olds to watch the film. Um, that I Actually, Luke? thank thank you for bringing up that point. 
I, I sort of agree with Jaden, but um, when when the house blew up, she died and was like lying down with her arms crossed on a wooden board. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a motif that every single, almost every person who died looked like that. So did they... <laughs> yeah, 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 it, one time as well. Like, <laughs> I, I believe that when they were on, like, the deathbed, someone would have just made their arms look like that. But are yeah, you trying yeah, to tell probably... me that the house blew up and she, like, died from shock or, like, died from impact and then, like, landed, like, lying down? Or had someone already moved her body at that point? The owl probably did it. The owl that keeps appearing in the film. I, I guess the owl would have done the folding of the arms and yeah. adjusted the posture of her lying down. Because I, I, I'm assuming that that was, I'm assuming that was a choice to be respectful. I'm assuming yeah. that's some kind of burial practice. Yeah. And they yeah. like it's almost like um, like in Australia, whenever there's films or any kind of media that has dead Indigenous Australians. It has the audio at the front that says this this may contain images or voices of people who have passed away. I imagine I that, that a, lot, actually, a similar yeah. thing. Yeah, I imagine that there could possibly be a similar thing where it says if you're depicting um well, but then it's not consistent in, in the film because there are um there were other First Nations people who were just killed brutally and Yeah, like, what like one in the river, like the, the, the one the, yeah, the one in the river, yeah. the one in the um the white suit. And the mother, mm. like the mother that had the little girl and the dude literally just walked up to her, shot her. She lay on the ground and then he took the kid like mm. at the very start of the movie. Yeah. So like yeah. it was a, it was a constant motif until it wasn't. So that's mm. something that I'm a little bit like. Well, you used for the sisters only and the sisters and the mother. Yeah. The sisters mm. are like the heart. No, it was, it was the used best. for the people at the start though, who weren't sisters. Oh yes, yeah, the, yeah, you're right. It did. Yeah. The fat guy, the old lady, the little girl. Yeah, yeah. those two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'll still go with what Luke said about respecting uh, the deaths of those people mm. by giving them a proper posture when they're departed. But um, departed. Yeah, it's it different. Hey. Departed. <laughs> departed. What do you what do you what do you think about uh, I guess I'll, I'll like all right this this will be the final thing unless unless something really important comes up <laughs> second last thing what do you think <laughs> about where the characters end up what do you think about the monologue delivered about how Ernest just goes back and he lives with his brothers or that Lily you know dies at the age of whatever she did I mean Molly sorry or that Ki- or King Hill got released early on good behavior and all that shit. like what do, what do you think about where the characters ended up. I saw that um, on the on Wikipedia. Like I read some of the actual real life depictions of where they ended up, and uh, I guess I don't really care. I guess you know, it's it's more so just like information that the audience needs to know about where they end up. I think it's very impactful that he I, I, like. There's there's that famous adage in film where it's show don't tell. I think in this aspect, it was very impactful that he told us and did not show us. I think the him just reciting what happened made it seem so much more bittersweet in the sense that, you know, hey, like nonchal- it was almost like a brutality in the nonchalant of like how he just said, this is what happened, this is what happened. And so if you had showed us, it would have made it out to be a spectacle. But the fact that he told us, was almost like this is all that's left these words written on paper like, mm. 
other than that, the story's lost to time. <laughs> and so yeah. being able to just say, just like saying it. And it's like, we, I think we all knew that would happen. I think we all knew that uh, Bob would get out of prison because of all his contacts. Um, interesting that Ernest got out. I guess that's just, um, yeah. Well, Ernest kind of deal. So, I mean, like the fact yeah, that he ever I got guess... in was wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, and then, and then not showing what happens to Molly sort of saying like, um, there's so many people who were in the same circumstance whose story hasn't been told. So, um, I think it was, I think it was like, and so it's almost like a mystery. Like who did she end up with in the end? They mentioned someone named James or something. Just another but, guy um, called James. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then, but then that's, I think that's the point. I think the point of that is like, well, you know, life has moved on, but we haven't forgotten. Well, like life has moved on and we have forgotten. I don't know. And yeah. Maybe we fail to acknowledge individual murders, but we can sort of. We can start to see now. the, see, yeah, start a new light, start, start a different light and move past the uh, tragedy in some ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like that Luke. Sorry, Dr. Luke. Yeah. I do want to talk about the, the the shots, not 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 cinematic shots, the the the, the chemical shots, like mm-hmm. the poison. Like if you guys want to, I liked it. You liked it, mm-hmm. Joe. Just like the like the conversation between um, Ernest and Molly at the end. Yeah, I guess it did sum up what I said at the start about how distant the uh, I felt with their relationship, but in a good way because. Molly did show a lot of ambiguity throughout what she thinks about, um, look, look, what her stance on is on what her stance, what her stance is on um, Ernest. It is literally unknown after she was admitted to the hospital, and I thought, you know, she still loves him, but at the end, she really had to pull that final string in order I, to. Yeah. I I read a letterbox review sort of briefly that said that um, Lily's character started the film in a room with a man and ended the film in a room with a man. And in both of those times, it was like she had the power in the scene and it was, it was talking more towards her, like controlling the scene and being such a powerful actress. And it's like in that final scene, it's her and Ernest and they're sort of looking at each other and she only asks one question and Ernest gives an answer and Ernest like runs his mouth and um, she still just sits there silently, and in and she just knows, like she knows that he did it, like he know she knows he's lying, and so she just goes okay, and then she just stands up and leaves. So it's that whole yeah. idea of what uh, Bob was talking about at the start, about how um, you yeah. know don't, don't feel the need to feel the conversation, how um, she she just sits there and controls the conversation in her silence. And so I thought it was it was really powerful to sort of bookend her character with that sort of um, motif. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I truly cherish that thought. Honestly, I think what Luke said hits a spot to the conclusion of their relationship and the fact that Ernest never admits it and then how he segues into the radio show sort of like mm. takes that into context, their cold relationship. Yeah. They still love each other, but in a way that final question was very impactful. What Luke said. And I think, yeah, you know, yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think, 
I, I think I think that final scene was important, so that you don't fully buy into the relationship. You know, mm, yeah. Um, because as I was saying, I was very invested in it. I, you know, just despite just despite Leo actively killing off his sisters, you know, <laughs> I thought I thought that was a I thought there was a genuine love there, and you can see that in the way that he wanted to protect her from King Hill. Uh, you know, and, and and like even like when he was given the shots, and he he. he he was lying to himself in, in what they were doing. He's like, it'll, it'll just slow it down. It'll just slow it down, you know. Um, I think it was, then, well, did, didn't it, he actually <laughs> take some himself? Yeah. He did, yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah, he, we saw he that. He reduced yeah. the concentration and then, like, put it in his own drink or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I feel like he, it's he did love her, and which is great. But, like, I think, yeah, it was important for her, them to break to break off the relationship in that scene. He, you know? yeah. just, he like, just loves money more. Torture. Hmm. That's why he kept frowning in the second half, didn't he, Luke? Mm. Yeah, it's the, the same frown you're doing, but your frown looks like Rob De Niro frown. I swear. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah, there you go. That looks like De Niro. Talking, yeah. You're talking to me with the with the with the peaky <laughs> cap on. Yeah, <laughs> the cap the cap suits yeah. it. Oh, but yeah, the, the moment that the, that um, Ernest's daughter died, I thought mm. there was a lot of change to his character for some reason. Just just how he reacted. I thought that was really. I thought it was such an overacting moment from Leo when he realized that his daughter died from from um whoopee whoopee, whoopee fever was it whooping cough whooping cough yeah and then the way he cried on the floor I thought that was like a little bit unsubtle I don't know what you guys thought about that but I, I think that's a pretty appropriate reaction to a child dying to your child dying <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know I don't know how many children you've killed Andy and how desensitized <laughs> come to it but um they're all they're yeah. all locked in um, Liam's cupboard so we'll, um... yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like I, I think it's um no, it's in character because he's always yeah, it, of, it is in character. Yeah, like he's, he's always been guy. out of control. He's an emotional yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think but, it worked. But when the when um, Lily Gladstone does does her loud cries, I thought Man, she howls. Yeah, she feels pain. Yeah, she feels pain, and I felt mother. that as well. Yeah. I felt that as well. But when Leo does it, I just felt like it's it's one of those performances where he likes to scream. <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, yeah, the, yeah. That that that's an interesting point. Lily Lily howls when her child dies. Like you really feel yeah. it. No, she dies when her sister's dies. Yeah. Sister dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so, but then like um, yeah, Leo's cry is different. Yeah. Mm, but it feels like it feels like the other. It feels like his other performances where he cries. I just, it's probably more know. pain for him, right? whereas 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 Molly's character is like pain for her sisters, whereas his is pain for him more. Like I'm sure he's still sad yeah. about his child, but if it's like yeah. it's more of a pain of like you know, oh my child, you know, my. Well, when you guys asked about what makes good acting performance, um, this is where I'm coming to with Leo DiCaprio. Honestly, I don't know how what a good cry should sound like, but um, I guess maybe on a rewatch the uh, cry from him in the prison cell would probably work, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I, I guess this comes from a person who thinks Leo DiCaprio is a bit overrated. Maybe, maybe that's why I, I, I made the point, yeah. but maybe you guys don't want to hear it. So let's move on. Hmm. I know. Spooky. What do we, um, what do you think of the final scores of, uh, of Kills of the Flower Moon? I I think you've turned me around. I think I think I went into this podcast thinking not much, but then we've had such a rich 
deep discussion about its themes, its impact on people, its impact on cinema, the craftsmanship of Martin Scorsese, and I think I it deserves a four out of ten. I knew I knew that was coming. <laughs> Six out of ten. Um, no, never mind. I think I, I gave Little Women four out of ten, didn't I? Or did no, I give it six out of ten? Six out of ten. I'll give it five out of ten. Okay. Yeah, five out of ten. It yeah. was okay, but it, it not for me. I think I can I can appreciate objectively some of the craft, like the craftsmanship that's gone into it, and the themes that it has and its impact. But I have no personal relationship to it. Yeah. I I have no intention to watch this movie again. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's it's come and gone like. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, like movies, some movies stay with you. For me, this movie, I don't think will stay with me. So I think five out of ten. Yeah, fair. Andy, where, where are you thinking? Um, I definitely loved it. Um, I, I loved how the relationship was depicted. I love the sinister behind uh, De Niro's character. Uh, everything else, I, I kind of just felt engaged completely. Uh, what? What Luke said about don't try to understand a conversation, don't feel it. Just feel it. Is that what you said, Luke? Um, don't don't try and fill the conversation. Don't try and fill that, the conversation. Yeah, that's like Go the on. theme. Yeah, fill. Yeah. Thinking about that more often, I think it was effective, and it was probably a safe way to view this film. I guess that's what rewatches are for sometimes. Anyway, I think it was. It probably has to be in the top five of twenty twenty three for me, and I'll probably give it. Oh, wow. Nine out of ten. I don't think I. I don't think I got any else sad. I think it's just Scorsese, you know, pursuing people to see this at the cinemas for three and a half minutes. I think that's probably one of the most admirable things that we've got for a long time. Um, I don't know if I should try to compare to big blockbusters this, this year, like Oppenheimer and then this, but I guess I'll talk about that some other day. I don't know. Yeah, good film. Nine out of ten. I think Oppenheim is currently sitting on a higher rating on IMDb. Um, and Letterbox as well. And Letterbox as well. Yeah. You know the difference between the long run yeah, time. That, that's that's because it had the Sloppenheimer, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oppenheim. Well, yeah, actually, there you go. That, 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 that's actually a great thing for Spooky because Spooky at the start was talking about like his attention span and like you know just long films and big films like this. And he um, loved Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer yeah. was designed for him. It's designed for you because you're a physicist, Spooky. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that's a fantastic yeah. point. Yeah, and like, yeah, like, yeah, this film just isn't designed for you, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, just... I think the soundtrack in Oppenheimer was better. I mean, obviously, it's Louis Garanson. If that's how you pronounce the name, Ludwig. 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 Yeah. Ludwig. Um, yeah, I think I'll chuck a seven on it. Um, I think it, it it probably is Scorsese at his best, but yeah, I th- I, th- I think it is does doesn't drag, but it is long, and you always feel you you feel, I I, th- I you feel a runtime. Um, mm. and in terms of stories that he tells, I think he does tell stronger stories, particularly in Silence. Um, but yeah. it is fantastic work from him and his 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 crew. Um, and I think it is a pretty strong film. Uh, seven out of ten. 
Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Let me tell you, if we can do it, anyone can. And that's thanks to Zencaster. Like a lot of other podcasts out there, our show is recorded over the web every week. But trying to record a podcast with platforms like Zoom and Discord can be an audio quality disaster. I'm sure you've heard some of the podcasts I'm talking about with long delays, sound cutting in and out. It is not pleasant. Zencaster captures studio quality sound for all of your guests right from your web browser. Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. And with Zencaster's all-in-one platform, you can create and distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations all in one place. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code CinemaEffect to get 30% off your first month of any paid plan. That's Zencaster.com slash pricing with promo code CinemaEffect with an E for 30% off today. Feel a sense of zen with Zencaster. Right, let's, uh, let's dive into news chat. Um... I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start with the Fall Guys trailer. Fall Guys? Fall Guys? Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Not the, not, not the nice guys. Okay. Uh, Andy, <laughs> not you the, Not the other guys. The other guys is an asshole. And oh, no. So much. Not the nice guys. I hate Adam McKay, but I like that film a bit. I'll admit. I like the other guys. I like Adam McKay, but I hate other guys. Mm. Okay. Screw you then. Yeah. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I'm the only one I saw it, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. I don't really know how to judge trailers. No, just give, but, us, uh, just give us your thoughts. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's nice to see Emily Blunt acting in a natural accent, because I love her British accent, her, her native accent. It's just mm. beautiful to listen to. I guess you guys might look forward to that. Uh, Ryan Gosling, he'll be as funny as ever. Um, he's playing a stuntman in this film, I'm pretty sure. Is it is is it like an action comedy or like what 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 is the actual like what what is the film? It's a action drama. Action. A it's former action stuntman drama. springs back into action right. <laughs> when the star of a new movie goes missing. It's oh, the same cool. director as Bullet Train, so I thought it was comedy. It's the same director as Bullet Train, isn't it? David, David Lynch. David Lynch, yeah, Lynch? and Deadpool as well. He's the same guy as Deadpool. Yeah, there'll probably be an element of comedy towards them. Yeah, because there were comedic elements in the trailer where Brian Gosling trusts open a hotel door. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and there's like a few shots set in Sydney. Uh, probably Sydney. one of those films. Sydney. There we go. <laughs> Not Perth. Um. Uh. Yeah. No, I thought it's probably something that I wouldn't see in a hurry, but I wouldn't mind watching it. Uh, if you, if you, if anyone's up for it. Uh, I'll probably go watch Ryan in the cinemas. Did you guys watch Bullet Train in the cinemas? No, because dude, I, I dude. It's still pretty, I, 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 I asked Zach and Liam one day after recording, I was like, hey, is there any interest in going to, in, in going to watch Bullet Train? And, right. um, and Zach was like, I'd rather fucking die. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. so, so, so that killed that. But then literally three days later, literally three days later, he fucking logs on Letterboxd and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And, he, and he's like, yeah, sorry about that. Like, what the fuck do you mean sorry about that? And he's like, oh, dude, that, that pissed me off, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, the full guy should be in the same caliber. Maybe a bit better. Mm. Japan, Australia, you know, it's like nice phase. Yeah. yeah, nice phase. Yeah, okay. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's also in it because he was oh, also yeah. in Train, right? He yeah, is. He's also in. Um, I guess this. So is that be... chick from Ted Lasso? Hannah. Oh, Hannah, uh, the one that played um the 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 the, the, the club the... CEO. Yeah. So Zach yeah. will love that. Zach mm. will love. Zach will love that that Ted Lasso chick. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, he'll love that as well. Um, anything else I need to add? I guess it's just another fun Ron Gosling flick. Um, 
sort of in the same caliber as the nice guys if Jaden wants to see the full guy or if Luke wants to see it as well because I don't I don't need to see it you don't need to see it I, I'm in it oh, you're, oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. you're literally how, star in it it's, it's literally how's me how was the stunt work in the, in the film by the way Dr. oh great fantastic yeah fantastic. really good yeah. really good crew oh, oh it's when you jumped into that helicopter in the trailer look it was hard but when you have the right team to support you, then you can really do it. Yeah. Yeah. How how was it? How was it making out with uh, Emily Blunt? A, a gentleman never kisses and tells, Andy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, we also had the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes trailer. Um, I, we, me and Andy both watched this one. Um. Uh, yeah, it's another Planet of the Apes film, and it, it looks like a continuation of um the 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 reboot trilogy, which um we reviewed on the show. If you want to go listen to our thoughts on it. Um, our war for the Planet of the Apes episode is actually popping off recently for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah, he said that on the, on the night we saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, um, is old mate like, coming back? Who's old Andy's, mate? Andy Circus? Is he coming back? I actually don't. Uh, I actually don't know. I don't yeah. think if like if he's not in it, is it worth watching? Um, it, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. I, th- I think like because because Andy kind of did like he did kind of train the other actors and like. Oh, okay. To yeah. a, a bit. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. oh uh, spoiler uh, Wait, Caesar's dead, right? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Oh, we've, we've reviewed it on the podcast. It counts. Yeah. Does it? I, I said it first, and then Luke said it second. I can't. I, can't, I, don't, I don't know if Jane. I don't actually remember. Out. Yeah. Actually um, look, it, it's fine. Look, this takes place, like, you know, his son's now leading a tribe. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah, looks cool. like it's gonna be. It looks like it draws like a lot of inspiration from the first Planet of the Apes. Have you seen the first Planet of the Apes, Andy? I've seen all of it. All of them. Yeah. When you guys were reviewing them. No, no. I, I mean, like, like the first, the like the nineteen sixty eight one. Yeah. Oh no, no, no I haven't. Fucking, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, get onto it. Um. <laughs> yeah, but this looks like it draws like a, a, a lot from that story, uh, which is cool because you, you know you're coming full circle. Which if you've watched the original five. Then you understand what the full circle is. Oh, yes. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. I, I have to say, the apes look a little bit worse than what they did in War, but hopefully mm. that's just a trailer thing. And hopefully, like I know, they do a few final passes in the final movie, and like they they really they get got all, they got all the time. follicles. They got all the time. It releases on May twenty twenty four, so yeah. I'm sure they'll have the time to fix the suggestion. Any thoughts, Andy, on the trailer? Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh just it's probably similar to yours because I'm not really a Planet of the Apes fanboy, but I do still like the films, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this one in the cinemas. Yeah, I yeah. It, it is unfortunate that Matt Reeves isn't directing, but I nah. guess he's still Batman and stuff to do. Um, who is it's actually directing this one? Wes Ball. Uh, who's that guy again? Wes Ball. Wes you don't Ball. know Wes Ball? Who oh yeah, Maze Runner. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I, I do like him actually because I Maze Runner is not the worst young adult. Adaptation and the Death Cure is actually quite a strong film, in my opinion. Right, let's uh, let's jump into some highlights. Uh, Andy, what have you been watching? Um, crazily enough, last night, eight PM's last night, right? Yeah, yeah, last night. I mean, it was still daylight. I yeah. swear, but I'll still call it day last night. Uh, anyway, I saw um a five minute short film uh, randomly on Ruby. I saw Hayao Miyazaki's uh, first ever thing he ever did in cinema, short and feature film, which is called Yuki's Son. But I think that was meant to be a TV show, sort of like Peppa Pig. 
because it's five minutes. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess it's more targeted towards Jaden and Henry to some extent. You know, if you want to get that background research, but I think it's based off a manga targeted for young girls about Yuki, and uh, mm. it felt like a character trailer uh, in some way because they were just showing about everything that she does what happens to her and then how she gets to that goal. It was meant to be a pilot as well. And I don't see a point in a pilot if you literally told a whole story in five minutes. Yeah, this is like way before he did Studio Ghibli. And I guess that's all i got to say about what I saw. But yeah, you might you might want to check it out. Dr. Luke, I'll encourage you to start watching Studio Ghibli. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Do you want to watch Studio Ghibli? Yeah. The, the only anime movie that I've seen is... Um, your Name. Your Name. And yeah, I don't even... Your mind. I barely remember it. You watched oh. a few um, animes, though, didn't you, back in the day? Like, not a lot, I, but like a couple. I watched... Um, I think I remember talking to you about this. I watched uh, Ray Zero. I watched oh, Classic. Really? That, that's, a, that's a big one, yeah. And I What's... watched... Um, mm, Death Note. Death Note. Yeah, hey, you got some stuff on your sleeve. I watched those in year nine. Mm. Yeah. What did you watch this week, though? What did I watch this week? Um, well, Zach will be pleased to hear that I have finished the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Saul, Al Camino film franchise. I finished Mm. watching Better Call Saul. I topped it off with Al Camino. Um, very satisfied with both of them. Both products are very, very good. Yes, Andy? I've got a question. Um, it's a sequel to Breaking Bad, right? Better Call Saul is largely a prequel. Oh, no, I'm talking about El Camino, sorry. El Camino, El Camino is a sequel, yep. Oh, not not okay. a sequel. It, it's a continuation. It's a Breaking Bad story, but it's um set after the events of Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. okay. So I suppose I've got to ask what's Walter and Mike's involvement with the feature I, film. I, I'm afraid you're going to have to watch the entirety of Breaking Bad to answer that question, Andy. I have seen the entirety of Breaking Bad. Oh, you have? Um, well, it's oh, set. It have you? I have. Yeah, I saw Breaking Bad all five seasons. Yeah, but let's not spoil it because yeah. some other people haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I've watched those. Um, Jaden, <laughs> are you going to say FNAF, Jaden, or are you going to say? Yeah, I will. Else? Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll leave that for you, and I'll chime in there. Um, I've been watching Loki. So Loki season two is out. Um, best Marvel show. That's like it's. It's as good as the first season, and it is much better than everything that has been put on Disney Plus from Marvel for a long time. I um, I agree with you about it being the best Marvel show season one, but apparently it's debuted like thirty nine percent lower than what season one has. Yeah, I heard that. I I think that's just because of Marvel in general, like just like right. the majority of people being done with Marvel. Well, to be fair, but, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen season two yet either. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying season two. That's been going. Uh, next week is the last episode of the season, yeah. so uh, I'm oh, very doing... impressed. Yeah, Owen Wilson's in it. I'm very impressed. Does, it, not... like, yeah. <laughs> does it feel like part? Does it does it feel like it was meant to be one season, or does it feel like two separate seasons? Feels like, yeah, it feels like two separate seasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels um, I. I my opinion of a lot of the Marvel shows is that they try to do too much in too little time, which yeah. makes everything rushed. 
this second set, like, I, I think that's why Loki stood apart from everything else in that, like, Loki season one was really well-timed and yeah. they did everything really well. And it's the same again for season two. Season two, like, I think I was worried that they were going to try to use it to, like, set up everything. Yeah. Because, hap- like, because Quantumania failed and <laughs> all these other things have failed. So I was really worried that they were going to be like, this is the thing that everyone likes. So we need to get our entire, like, plot development in this TV show. I don't feel like they've done that. I feel like they've been pretty true to this is the story we were going to tell. It's condensed. Like it's contained, it's not super huge. It's a like a it's a pretty narrow story, and they've kept with it. They haven't tried to go too big, which I think awesome. is has paid off has paid off really well. Awesome, yeah. Good to Daddy, hear. Marvel making good decisions. Good yeah, for once. Uh, you, you you don't get to say that. I I just move on to myself. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how Zach usually does it. Sometimes he just cuts me off and just starts talking. I don't know. <laughs> starts um. Well, spooky. We. Actually, and and a few mm. of our other mates that aren't here yeah. today, unfortunately, because um, they're bastards. Um, we got we, we we got to see the brand new, uh, awesome biggest movie of twenty twenty three, best movie of twenty twenty three, best picture. Uh, actually, I think it's um Oscar yeah, nominated. I think sure. I think I think it's they've got a strong campaign going there. Yeah, Scor- um, Scorsese was really upset that um FNAF and Killer Moon like released like two weeks apart. He yeah. was really, really upset about that, and so I think yeah. he's quite all box yeah, office not for now because you know just the better film. It actually um, has. The, it actually has though. It has. It's, it's, it's <laughs> the biggest. It's the biggest opening for Blumhouse. It's the biggest opening for a video game movie. Blumhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, this movie does quite a lot wrong. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, I, I, I did have a lot of fun with it and I did really like it. Um, but I think its biggest sin is that it wasn't more faithful to the games. Not in that I'm looking for a get for a movie of Mike sitting at like a fucking security desk looking at cameras for fucking an hour and a half. But mm. they do have like a really rich lore that they could pull from and they have they can pull from at different moments. Um, because they already have done that where they've pulled different things from different games. Um, and they could have just taken a little few more things just to keep it a bit more game accurate. Um, rather than creating this kind of like parallel kind of law um, for the film only, um, but yeah, I, I liked I liked watching Josh Hutcherson. I liked Shaggy. I liked the story. I liked seeing the characters come to life. Um, you're right; it probably wasn't scary enough, um, but it is its own defined film, um, separate from the games, drawing from yeah. the games. Um, uh, and I did like it. It's a it's a seven out of ten. Yeah. Any quick thoughts, Suki? Oh, Andy. Sorry. Uh, well, Andy, you go. You had your hand up first. Uh, just, just a question. I, I did hear a lot of people that have played the game did not like or enjoyed the the film. But as a person that hasn't played the game, like I've, I've probably not played any games anyway. Uh, will, will I be able to enjoy? You won't like the film, Andy. No, no, no you you would not like it at all. No. no, I just thought the reverse psychology might be effective. Yeah, it's that play the game yeah. doesn't like it. I might like it. No, you, you no, gotta, no. you gotta, you gotta trust me. You, you, you won't like this one. Okay. Uh, it, it was fun. I, I, yeah, I wish there was more animatronics. I really wish they leaned much more into that. Yeah. Like, but like, it was an interesting story, I guess. Um, I just, I think the actual, sto- like the actual missing children story from the game, is a bit stronger. Hmm. They, yeah. could just, they could just pour it a bit more faithfully, you know. Yeah. 
I don't. I guess now, now we uh, now we hand the show over to you guys. I think is what Zach says. Um, Does he? With our question of the week. With with our question of the week. There um, you go. You can play the sentence. There we go. La- uh, last week we asked you what's your uh, favorite film about social injustice, and um, as as we're having our two most active responders on the show, we only we only did get one response this week, um, and that comes from Sir Kaz, um, who thanks Sir Kaz. Um, but Zach says, not just my favorite, but the absolute best. This is an AI asked answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> not just my favorite, but the absolute best film uh, about social injustice is Todd Phillips' masterpiece, Joker. A film so good, it drew me to the cinema twice. Cinema. It's not just about social injustice, but a whole society injustice explored so expertly in the way that it reminded me I too live in a society like Joker and should therefore be kinder to mentally challenged people among us like Joker. Um, that scene on the train where the mum tells the kid not to engage with Joker really hits hard because he can't help the fact he has Peter energy. Feels bad, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> plus the powerhouse lead performance from the Phoenix, which absolutely shattered over Barry, Barry Irishman's efforts in 2022. Um, you already know the sequel's going to be picked cinema by the fact that it has a pretentious title I still don't know how to pronounce. Um, and review yeah, for learning, so please don't teach do. me. It says please don't teach me. Uh, uh, in the thing there you go thanks in advance um yeah quite a shit answer from zach this week yeah um, but i do like the fact that he's pointing fun at the joker for being a joke but he does like the film quite a lot i do know that it's an ass film by the way yeah um yeah. phillips you take you take yourself so seriously bro like mm. yes uh liam's not here but we can guess what liam was going to say because that was part of the question um, okay any, any any guesses at what Liam would say, Andy? Uh, uh, it relates to my response. I think that would have been his guess. All right, we'll save it then. And SB, yeah. any 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 guess what Liam would say? Something Irish. Something I, Irish. I either Bloody Sunday or um in the name of the Father. <laughs> Bloody Sunday. Something in the name like of the that. Father is a good shout. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Has he seen in the name of the Father? Has he? I don't know. I feel like he has. I feel like only Zach has seen it. Um, I've seen it too. I don't have it rated because I don't remember it. But I. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought he'd seen it. Daniel Day Lewis with a exceptional Northern Irish accent, by the way. Was it Northern Irish? Oh, what about um? What's that one where the dude just got hungry? Oh, hunger. It'd be, it'd be yeah, yeah. It could be hunger. Hunger. hunger there we go. Yeah. Where, where the dude just got hungry. Give... <laughs> he did give in the name of the father a nine, so um, it could be in the oh, yeah. name of the father as well. This yeah, is... I was mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. Uh, Andy, what's your response? I was going to say Parasite because I thought Parasite. that was being Liam's favorite. Oh, yeah, I, I, I guess it's pretty obvious. And, you know, Luke and I, and then you and Jaden, sorry, you and Liam have mm. talked about on the show. So I guess I'll cut off from there. But Parasite is definitely my favorite social injustice film and a way better film in 2019 than Joker. Because, mm. yeah. besides the point that it won Best Picture, it is actually a better film because it has a director with a with a really stacked filmography unlike Todd Phillips, who's only directed The Hangover and all that bollocks. Anyway, yeah, better film. Uh, Zach, if you're listening to this, y- y- yeah, you know, it's Parasite. Nah, I cut it out. Um, <laughs> spooky? Yeah, you, got a, you, got a, you got a social injustice that you like? Uh, Parasite's I, probably the highest of yours, I feel, Luke. I, yeah, I actually couldn't Parasite really think more. of one off the, off the top of my head. And so I went on to mm. IMDb and I went, social injustice movies. And it listed a bunch of like all these like crap ones. <laughs> well, like no, like really noticeable movies that everyone knows about. But so I was like, 
I, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit of a strange answer. So okay. Two two things on the list that made me go, oh, yeah, was um, Shawshank. I was like, yep. is that social Ooh. injustice? I guess. Yeah. It, it's it not is, as but... overt as some other films, but it's there. And then um, I don't, I don't think I've seen all of it, but in time, when they were like, oh. um, when like time was money, I was like, that's a really cool concept. That's yeah. a really cool one, but then but, um, horribly executed. Yeah, like there's issues with it, but the idea of it is like really, really cool. The idea was um, really good. I agree with Luke. Yeah. I mean, I guess anyone could say Hunger Games and sort of get it, but um, and, and this this racist. might not count, <laughs> but show. I'll defend it. That um, my answer is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. When Umbridge, like when Umbridge comes to the school and takes over and like de- destroys their entire education system and makes it completely controlled by um the Ministry. That's that's maddening. That's so upsetting. You feel so angry. Like you like you are so upset with that character that it's like you you feel so mad. And so like it's not it's um it's like social injustice in a different way. It's like educational injustice. And that hits me close to home. So I think um I think that'll yeah, be Yeah, okay. You you saved it with that last point relating it to your education. That's a- Yeah. Like that—that's what I mean. It's like yeah, I feel like everyone else was gonna say yeah. the proper. I feel like everyone else was gonna say the proper, like the proper answers. So mm. I was like, I'll go a little left field and say something. What about, 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 about personal to Luke? Luke? You know. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but I like the book better. Mm, Out of okay. uh, Yeah, that was a good movie, though. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I think my answers uh, from the same time period as uh, *To Kill a Mockingbird*, uh, and it's obviously Twelve Angry Men*. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's twenty years earlier. Oh wait, was it? It's ten years earlier. No, never mind. I think I think Twelve Angry Men is nineteen fifty seven and or well, nineteen fifty four maybe. Um, and Two Mockingbirds nineteen sixty. Oh, it is. Oh, it is the same time. Yeah, three years apart. Yeah, yeah. fifty seven. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a brilliant film. I think I think Zach and Liam have spoken about it as well at different times when they watched it um, on the podcast. Uh, just fantastic. Just one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. Uh, Oh, shout out to Rabbit Proof Fence as well. Oh yeah, <sighs> yeah. Does Ben does Ben Middleton star in that film? No. Get out of there, boys. No, it, like Luke, I'm cutting that out. I'm, I, I, was, I was like, if you ever, if you brought that out at all, I was cutting it out, and you fucking did it, and I'm cutting it out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's it for this week's show. Uh, yeah. Hey, you don't want to expand on Twelve Angry Men? Nah, it's uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I, think I saw it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I was I was trying to do better like, medicine accent. Uh, no, no. I can't do it. Uh, Spooky. What are we? Uh, what are we doing next week? Next week we are watching Total Recall. Mm, the winner of the poll. Yeah. Who who yeah. who did that? Was that you, Jaden, or was that? That was Liam. That was Liam. There you yeah. go. Congratulations to Liam, the victor. Mm. Yeah. Good. Good for. Good for him. Um, yeah. Which uh, um, Which Total Recall are we watching, Spooky? Which Total Recall? We yeah. the the only one that's important. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one with um the governor of California himself, Arnold, last name redacted. Yeah. Um, okay. and, and we can, can watch, watch that? that on. We can watch that on Stan. Yeah. Or alternatively, you could watch that on Foxtel Brackets Binge. Awesome. Mm. Fucking nailed that. Yeah. Imagine the small brains that didn't pick. Um, 
uh yeah uh thanks for listening everyone i guess um did i say that already i don't know um next week's question uh, in relate in relation to uh, uh to the film is what is the most out of place a celebrity has been um this being a reference to arnie being a bodybuilder actor and then a governor of california um so you know you tell us where have you seen a celebrity out of place be it yeah actors and uh you know musicians in films or actors doing other shit i don't know um thanks for watching this has been a long one technically um mm-hmm. thank you for joining me uh dr luke you know uh, on these very occasions and mr yeah. andy lao tony long top of the morning top of the morning i feel like say top of the morning. you guys didn't give me a chance to say hello i was gonna do top of the morning i, I introduced you yeah but i didn't i didn't get to say hello yeah, that's on you that's not listen awful. listen back listen back i dare you anyway top of the morning thank you jade thank you dr luke uh, pleasure as always yeah you see you, usually me and liam don't really respond in this part when we say thank you but i guess you guys are guests and yeah we're and, guests and, and we have not to be regular enthusiastic about it yeah. yeah yeah fair enough yeah uh all right thanks uh goodbye <laughs>